I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourselves. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Duck? Um, Mike, it's been a while since you've been down here. We changed things up. Travis introduces the show now. Oh, I'm no longer. You're I'm tired. barely on the show. Tom's out. He's re- Tom's <laughs> retired. I say a bunch of racist jokes and then cut them out and post. <laughs> well, <laughs> just uh, let you know. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Just this is CBD, by the way. Oh, nice. right. oh yeah. Everybody so straight, straight from the CBD mines. CBD. Of, uh, yeah, straight from the CBD mines of New York and Oregon. It's Rose Mortem cast. Mike is going down the mines. Straight legal CBD. Thank you. We do history. It relaxes you. <laughs> uh, the history. I think. I think so. Something like that. Yeah. We believe so. Uh, Good. Yeah. Welcome, Rose Mortem cast. Is a history show where you listen to the CBD drugs. Thanks, Travis. I'm Tom. I'm Travis. <laughs> I'm Connor. <laughs> I'm Mike. Mike's a government man. That's right. Uh, I, I know. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Mike, you and I both were working for the man. That's true. Yeah, uh, Uncle Sam. Yeah, I yeah, work for him on a on a lower level. You work for him on the highest level there is. Yeah. At least you're not a dirty FedEx Pinkerton. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Mike, tell us how you've been recently. How was not just your week, but how has it been? Uh, it's going. You still bad at talking on the mic. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, it's going. It's going. It's That's delivering. All it, it's all it's like, does. It's like pizza. Yeah. Uh, is there any do's or don'ts for anyone who is trying to be a male person today? Um, you will be attacked by a dog. I guarantee you that it's like it happens. It's okay, crazy. so watch I out think, for dogs. Think it's happen. It happens. <laughs> It happened like day one, like oh, probably a month in. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, so not too long. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, like train ever... conductors who are gonna see a suicide. It's like you're as a mail post worker, you're gonna be attacked by a dog. Yeah, a dog yeah. Yeah. So Did you ever get attacked by a cat yet? No, every cat's been friendly. I'm always like trying to recruit them because I'm in the hood. I'm like <laughs> they're all cold and I'm like, oh, just get fucking <laughs> get in the truck, help yeah. me defend me and against these like, dogs. Yeah, they're like, yeah, it's like oh, it's not worth it. Mm. Yeah, they're gonna give yeah, you that. Fu- like, they're that gonna give me food once in a while. <laughs> they're gonna give you that firefighter uniform and be like you gotta get that cat out of a tree now you know it's not actually firefighters that do that it's post officers <laughs> I'll, I'll do it honestly i get paid I'll yeah there you go is that a, a term post officer yes the post officer yeah i like that that hey, that's I your job be, description I, I it's cool that. i wish me? i could say that yeah you're post? a post officer some people are officers you're a post officer yeah. hey well Thank me for my service, you know. We will. Well, thank you for being here. <laughs> Thanks for getting here every time. Yeah, Mike, yeah. Mike, yeah. have you been going to places trying to get veteran discounts? <laughs> <laughs> Still on Valor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's expensive. We should have like a yeah. post offer, office workers day, like we have Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Well, Just give well, us... Do you think that's going to keep them from quitting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Give them a Monday off. I'll take as many stupid no federal holidays Monday. as possible. Yeah, yeah give me I love like it. Give me like a oh, 
A Wednesday. I think a Wednesday off. Um, did you get post-teenth? post post Or I get like uh, post-20. Yeah, post-20. Or post-20. It's an important day because it's just like uh, 42 and uh, zero is a good number. Yeah. All right, good. All right. I like All that. Right. Connor, yeah. how's your week since I saw you last, which was three days ago? Uh, I'll keep mine short. My week has been great because I've mostly been reading about our subject today, and that's all I'm going to leave it at. Tom, how was your Ka-ching. week? Uh, not bad. Surprise $1,000 had to be thrown at the car today. Oh. But oh, really? I don't mind. I really don't mind because she's been real good to me. You got to do good. it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just, it's a little karmic payment to your oh, car. She's it's running up a little bit. Tom, yeah. when, we last, when we last talked, we were actually talking cars after the show, and we were talking about truck nuts. Is this a $1,000 truck nut you've put on the car? I wasn't going to spoil it, but yes. I, <laughs> oh, nice. I had an emergency. I had to install $1,000 truck nuts. Gold-plated? <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> Those nice. are family jewels. It is, uh, it's an honor to be part of the truck f- nut family. Well, you're styling. I, yeah. You know it, man. We'll yeah. know it's you when you're coming by. Yeah, I got them from my Doc Martens, Doc Nuts. Nice. A little back of there. Pretty oh, the cool. Doc Nuts. Yeah. Yeah, Travis, how have your truck nuts been this week? Dude, I haven't had any truck nuts. I've just been playing that game Atomic Hearts. Exactly. Have you heard oh, about that one? The, uh, it's it's the, a the sexy ballerina robots, right? <clears throat> yeah, sexy hot ballerina robots, a video game that may okay. be funding Russia in their war. <laughs> good. Oh, you're a communist. Well, well, that's good. You're a... already paying for the Ukrainian weapons, so now you're paying for the Russians. Yeah, yeah. I would say karmi- you're Krupp. <laughs> you're antagonizing it. I would point. say karmically, that's the best thing you could do. Right, and no one had a problem with Tetris. Dirty commies made that shit. Yeah. So yeah. you know, don't don't come down on me. It's a great game. I would never. I've been playing it in Russian because, Tom, they needed you or something. The localization they had for the English. It's not like it was like broken English, but like some, I don't know, hype beast like decided to write all of the lines. And it's like Duke Nukem style. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. No, this is like good. doesn't fit the game at all. So now I'm trying to play it in Russian. Which is hard to read subtitles when you're like shooting things, but you know, getting half the story. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're shooting things. How much story do yeah, you need? Yeah, yeah. and that, work- that simulates the Russian army in Ukraine. You're having trouble shooting the things because you're yeah. distracted by everything. Mm. <laughs> I worked on one Russian cartoon, and I would never do it again. There, oh, firstly, yeah? the quality is immensely terrible. <laughs> There's, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but the Russians just can't get it together with their. If they were better at media, they would get more support from us in fact we'd probably be giving them money yeah. and ukraine if, wouldn't exist anymore yeah, if but, they if they had one eurovision yeah we, even we'd once. be on their side <laughs> if they knew how to use a camera if there was any cinematography in that whole country it's a giant country but anyway um we should do the know. show the game's good the soundtrack actually slaps so maybe they will nice. will win the, they can uh, do good music eurovision. they're not they're not below good music let's talk about a good old-fashioned Russian that wasn't in Russia today. Yeah, as, as I said, my week was great because I spent a lot of it reading about our subject today. Okay. And, you know, sometimes we have these guys like Tom. You just uh, struggled through Richard Wagner. Yeah. Because he was kind of just a boring, pasty old man who shot cats. Oh, oh that absolutely the show, shot cats. The show turned out better than I thought. Yes. But yes, but I don't no, there, You have these times with our subjects where reading about them is a bit of a slog. And then other times where it's just a joy to just uncover more and more facts about them. And that's how I felt reading about George Edward Waddell. 
Okay. Our subject for Good. today. Waddle. Oh, thanks, Chief. Waddle so start back in the mid-19th century when baseball, as we know it today, first starting to come together. There had been stick and ball sports played. Um, the first uh, recorded instance of a stick and ball sport is from like the 1400s in France. Really? Um, yeah. I, I would have thought a little earlier because weren't the Mayans doing like ba- ba- they were doing basketball. But yeah, but no stick. Oh. Yeah. Well, at least I don't think so. Yeah. An interesting thing about that, not to tangent already, but an interesting thing about the yeah. Mayan sport is they've just found out, they found one of the rubber balls they used, and they would mix the ashes of, like, rulers into the ball. Oh, wow. That's oh. awesome. Yeah. Um, and which, which, which is what we should have done with, uh, who was it? Uh, Kobe. He should have just mixed him into the basketball. <laughs> he could play every, some great ball. He'd, he'd still be playing in the NBA today. Yeah. Yeah. True. So baseball back then, um, it had been played in the U.S. for a while or something like akin to baseball, but it's in the um, middle 19th century that the rules are more codified, that the game kind of starts to resemble what we think of it today, and it's in the 1890s that the rules are finally solidified and really, you could look at a game and be like, that's baseball, you could go play it because you would know all the rules. Before that, there were weird rules that, you know, you wouldn't think of. Right, house rules today. and all house that. Yeah, yeah, rules, like every time you play kings rules. at a party. Exactly. It's like, yeah. this sucks. So it's the 1890s yeah. when it all settles in. Whenever you talk to, like, those people with, like, broken English that have bad teeth and drink tea all the time, they talk about uh, a game called Rounders. Now it's just like a yes. a kid's game. And I, 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 I did that. Rounders kind of, it's, yeah, they share the same ancestral like, okay. cousin. Yeah. Is that MLB, though? But what's, like, the organization? Well, it's we're like, going to talk a lot about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Because there's... Um, the national landscape didn't look like what it is today. There was the National League, which is the same National League we still have today oh, wow. in MLB. That was founded in 1876. Sheesh. They were the first major league because they had big teams in all the big cities. And when I say all the big cities, I mean north of Washington, D.C. and east of the Mississippi. Because that's where only where baseball is played at a major league level. Yeah. It was <laughs> yeah. too hot to play it down south. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's um, not really only the place that matters in America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are, uh, so there's the National League, but there are dozens, maybe even hundreds of smaller leagues all over the countries. Some of these are making up players from a single town, some from like occupation, or other types of like social clubs. They'll have their own baseball teams. Um, so there's like, uh, like coal mining leagues, there's textile factory leagues, those types of things. That's pretty cool. Right. Kind of gives me the vibe of that World War One with like the yeah, the chums it's very chums. very <laughs> similar to that. Yeah, um, and the contracts were often treated more like suggestions rather than anything ironclad. <clears throat> Players often were playing for multiple teams at a time and would hop around with relative ease, going from club to club. Nice. So during this period of baseball's loose structure. George Edward Waddell was born on Friday the 13th of October 1876 in Bradford, Pennsylvania. Mm. Born on Friday the 13th. Great start for our guy. Cool day to be born. I'm more scared of Bradford, Pennsylvania. Bradford, Pennsylvania. He doesn't stick around there for too long. bad pizza. I don't blame him. It's spooky there in Bradford. Mike, don't you like a good Taylor ham? Come on, they probably got great Taylor ham there. They probably... They probably got, uh, I mean, no, it sounds like a place that had like bad shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can curry. Like, you know what? They have a lot of bad, bad news. 
bet you they have a lot of crime. A lot of crime. A lot of crime. A lot of robberies. See? <laughs> Scary. There's one store getting robbed all the time. They can't figure it out. <laughs> yep. Just don't have, they don't have the police force. <laughs> so better known as Eddie to his friends and family, we don't know a ton about his upbringing. We basically just have some random stories that fill in the gaps before he bursts into a major scene. At two years old, he apparently broke off all of the bars on his crib. Strong and smart. Strong wow. and smart. I couldn't decide. Yes. Uh, did he break them off with his hands, or did he like roll up in a ball and just roll around really fast in his crib? Because I we, that's we don't a know smart yet. move, like a Sonic. <laughs> he might have been a Sonic type. He's got some traits like that. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> At three years old, so just a year later, he ran away from home. Wow. He was found a few days later living in a firehouse. This is apparently the first instance that would be a lifetime obsession with fires and firefighters and firemen and everything that had to do with fighting fires in the turn of the century. Apparently he just like left home one day because he wanted to go live in the firehouse and it took his parents like two days to find him. That's why. Not because someone was unfair to him. No, no, no. He was just like, I I like the firehouse. I'm going to go live there. Yeah. I'm three. (laughs) I can make decisions now. (laughs) Mike, everything about. I don't want to put out fucking fires to this. This fucking sucks. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what? You're three. (laughs) He he overhears that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He was ready for it. Uh, When he was seven years old, he was out fishing and he was getting annoyed that none of the fish that he could see in the stream uh, were biting his lure. So instead, he dove right in and grabbed a couple with his hands. Oh, wow. Seven years old. Apparently, this would be a trick he would do later in life because he was really good at it. Sometimes you just gotta catch that fish and tell it who's boss. Yeah, show him who's the real man. Yeah, that's why I, I, I have an opposable thumb, and I'm gonna grab you out of your natural habitat. That's why I'm not allowed in Louisiana because I would jump in the river and scoop up all the shrimp, and then the whole industry <laughs> would be dead. So Eddie was described as a good kid by his neighbors in the farming community of Bradford. He was full of energy. He played sports constantly. Um, they always described him as just like a laughing, good-hearted kind kid um and despite being a little rambunctious was always caring for others and like just wanted to have a fun he just wanted to have fun that's the story of eddie waddell he's a saint so far so far he's wonderful yeah he's kind of a good guy this is why i love him there's also the turn of the century was having fun uh, getting that like metal wheel and hitting it with a stick down the road what is (laughs) that we're like we're kind of at that point um okay what what do you do for fun they're playing baseball. Like, that's a big part of it. But they're playing football. Um, they're just running through the woods. They're the rules hunting. were identical at the time. Yeah. They were kind of figuring out football, too. Yeah. So it was just... That's pretty interesting, actually. It was the beginning of all that crap. Yeah, no forward pass in football, but still playing football. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's sick. And with sticks. And with Pro- sticks. <laughs> probably shooting a lot of squirrels and eating them. Still yeah. a modern American pastime. Yeah. Yeah, why not? He barely attended school, uh, but he was literate. Just going to leave it at that. We know he was literate. Okay. He was literate. <laughs> yes. Okay. R- remember that. All right. He's so, already got a one up on me. <laughs> another family story from this time. This one comes from uh, one of his nieces. Says that Eddie's mom put him to bed one day because he had contracted measles and he needed to sleep it away. And measles at this time, you know, could be really serious. His mom working, working around the house. She thinks he's up. Uh, upstairs sleeping off his measles basically when he wanders into the he- kitchen sopping wet with no clothes on and his mom asks where he's been all day and he just simply replied swimming that's all with swimming. measles yeah 
his mother frantically runs to the doctor and says, you know, what, what what's going to happen? Is he going to be all right? And the doctor responds, ah, don't worry. If it was anybody else, it would kill him, but it won't hurt Ed. <laughs> he just live, he just living his life. That's he's like he's 10, doing. and the doctor's like, no, that guy is fine. He's yeah. a crash dummy. Yeah. And then the doctor prescribed him, like, three grams of pure heroin. <laughs> just <laughs> give him this. He'll sleep this. for a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The family moved to the town of Prospect, which is in Butler County, north of Pittsburgh, when Eddie was in his early teens. He was working in coal mining and oil drilling, but he was happiest plowing the uh, fields of the family's farm. And it was while he was out there on the fields that he learned how to throw. Not a baseball, rocks. Because birds would come and eat the seeds from the farm, so he figured, I'll just throw rocks at them and keep them away. And he was really good at it. He could do it with righty or lefty and would just basically knock birds out of the sky when they came around and like train really? the birds wow. to stay away from his field because of how good he was at so knocking rocks. birds out of the sky. Wow. Sick. Yeah. Mike, this sounds like something you do when you're at the skate park. <laughs> you used to as a kid, you used to throw my skateboard around. Yeah. You throw my toss it. Just toss her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd say maybe I'll toss it. You know, as a, as a joke. I don't know. Give it a little toss, a little throw. So at this time, Eddie's, uh, you know, he's like 12 or 13. He's becoming something of a local legend um, in the area because of how <laughs> amazingly athletically gifted he is. So imagine, like, you know, when you're a kid and. Dead birds. You just. Came out. <laughs> they, you're hearing about all these dead birds. Like, you know who in your town, like, oh, he's really good at basketball or something. Apparently, Eddie, like, was known, like, across the entire county as, like, this freak wonderkind athlete. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd see him if it was back in the day. Like, what yeah. else am I going to do? Like, fucking, just jer already jerked off today, and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> already jerked off. Might as well go watch Eddie play baseball. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you got to think of it like you have... A town that's encouraging you to kill little animals. Yeah. Like, it's a weird thing to, like, you know, we like the athletes. Congratulations. You've just done very well at wrestling. But this is a di different time. It's like, oh, yeah, look at this old, kid yeah. blasting birds, <laughs> knocking their oh, fucking yeah. beaks off the their movie heads. theaters. <laughs> yeah. It's like, of course that's fun. That's, that's way more great. fun yeah. than any sport I've ever heard Look of. at that one, Eddie. Try and get that one. See how high he is? Come here, you dumb hulk. Yeah. However, uh, these local stories kind of um, hampered Eddie because eventually he wasn't able to play as much because most of the kids around the area started to refuse to play with him because he was so good. And he was a pitcher. And the biggest problem was no one could catch for him because he would break their hand because he was throwing so hard. Wow. And most of them, again, it's 1880-something. They're not wearing gloves. Right. Like some, maybe there's a catcher mitt, and the mitt is basically like go find a glove in your winter, like, your winter wear, yeah. and that's the extent of the protection you're getting. Um, so, yeah, he couldn't find anyone that would play with him because he was so Jeez. good. Wow. Damn. He got a spot on the traveling team for the local town, uh, Butler, and now he was able to play with older guys, play with more seasoned players, and he was an immediate sensation all across the county. Um, At this he, point, how many butt taps? Good job, sport. Do you think he's gotten? Oh, probably a couple hundred. Oh, cool. You know, it's All baseball. Right. You play a million games and 
there's a lot of you know come walking off and on the field so you get to do a lot Those it's also the 1880s jumped. so like just <laughs> yeah. endless harassment they, yeah they didn't even touch the butt it. they just went for like a straight ball cup back then yeah <laughs> yeah they hadn't heard of homosexuality back then therefore yeah. no one could be made fun of doing gay acts to each other yeah <laughs> that's called being chums yeah, yeah. being pals checking be <laughs> the biggest issue that Eddie got into uh, while on the traveling team was now that he was going outside of his immediate, you know, the surrounding area, He, this is where we get the local rules kind of coming up. Uh, because Eddie, for some reason, thought that it was okay to bean players with the ball when they were running in between the bases. So for <laughs> oh, anyone who knows baseball, yeah, yeah. it's like kickball rules. That's what he was playing. And, like, his coaches would be like, Eddie, Eddie, throw it to the first baseman. He goes... He hit the ball. He hit the guy with the ball where I'm from. He's out. And they're like, that's not how it works. That's not how you put a baseball. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's how they should do it. I yeah, wish they I was would just saying. Yeah. Apparently, it let, took let's them... change the rules. Yeah, back we should to go that. back. To you that. could do either or. I mean, but here's yeah, depending on what kind of player you are. If you don't like, yeah, player. but yeah. <laughs> But here's the thing: the bat, the batter gets to keep the bat while he's running. Yeah, he can knock <laughs> he it away. Just... A little defense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hits the uh, shit out of the basement. <laughs> Apparently, it yeah. took him like a dozen games before he finally stopped doing this. Wow. He didn't really get the idea. Also, Eddie was very easily distracted. This is going to be a common theme. Oh, I feel you, man. Um, <laughs> he would wear red underwear during the games because if a fire broke out and he saw a fire truck drive by, he'd run after it and try and go fight the fire. And the red underwear, yes. he could strip out of his uniform and be wearing the red underwear to throw on his firefighter gear right at the drop of a hat. That's that's <laughs> the, the, the essential key to be a firefighter is the underwear. <laughs> Everyone knows the red underwear yes. is the key. Yeah. I mean, just look at I, the, the calendars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I feel like this is the average modern softball team because most of them are on the fire department yeah. and they're like, all right, fire's oh, ready, gotta go. Even though I'm half Except in the bag the and I'm on third. Of a semi-pro team being like, I gotta <laughs> yeah. go. Even though yeah. I don't live here, there's a fire somewhere. That would be a good, uh, like, that would be a good sketch. About one of those fire firehouse softball teams that calls, like, when they're losing really badly, they get false alarms yeah. in, yeah. like, from above. <laughs> right, like, got some guy doing arson. Just... Yeah. <laughs> We're down 9-2. All right, I'll call you in three minutes on the radio. <laughs> Traffic. They're heroes. They can't finish the they, game. They forfeited due to heroism. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to save the day. So it wasn't just firefighting heroics uh, that distracted Eddie, though. Um, while he was pitching in one game, his a pal of his pulled up along the first baseline in a horse-drawn buggy and asked Eddie if he wanted to go fishing. So Eddie dropped the ball and his glove on the mound and left right in the middle of an at-bat and went fishing with his pal. <laughs> That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, again, this guy just loves fun. How much is he getting paid to play baseball? Uh, For this team, he's probably making like a buck a week. Is that a lot back then? It's not a lot. No, it's it's not like, a lot. It's but like... it's like, oh, it'd probably be like making like a hundred bucks a week today. No, nah, it's more than that. Yeah? Yeah. This is... It's it's still not one dollar. That's crazy. That's how much I would carry you back then. It's, yeah. It's more than that because... Wow. I, I... I would say it's closer to two hundred. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah but I mean, like not like a thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not pulling in a salary or anything. Yeah, but yeah, th this is also in a time in America where you could just stay in someone's extra room if they liked you for yeah. an extended piece of like period eight of time. Yeah, ten like, years. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just yeah. it was just really different back then. Like, yeah, so. actually, for the Butler team, he might not have been getting paid at all. Um, well, this was like a rent, this was like a local traveling team. Rent is two cents a month, so uh, you might not be able to afford here. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Uh, but in 1896, this is when Eddie gets his first, uh, not big break, but a break, because a scout from the Iron and Oil League in Franklin, Pennsylvania, watched uh, Eddie pitch and offered to bring him along. And it was during a warm-up with the Franklin team that catcher Jack Nelson gave young Eddie a nickname, and we're going to only call Eddie this for the rest of the show. He saw this guy and nicknamed him Rube. Which means rube. exactly what you think. He's a rube. He's a bumpkin. He's a hick farm boy. Yes. Oh, yeah. Rube. rube. So we got Rube Waddell. Rube. <laughs> rube. So uh, Nelson would revel in taking credit for Rube's famous nickname. He would prove his credentials to show that he did uh, give Rube his nickname by showing off the fact that his pointer and middle fingers had been permanently bent backwards from catching Rube's fastballs. That's how oh, hard he's throwing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, damn. Yeah. There are other stories about how Rube got this nickname, uh, all kind of the same vein. The Nelson one's the most famous, and I think Rube at one point said that was, he once confirmed that one, but he also confirmed all the others if it meant he got a free beer, so we don't really know. Right. Um, Either way, it sticks. Uh, Rube never really liked the name, uh, but he did grow to embrace it because it kind of, it helped him along his career, and... To his friends, he was always still just Eddie, but to the wider public, he was always going to be Rube. That's better than Jackie Robinson's nickname. Well, yeah, we can't say that on the show. We can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Rube's time in the Iron and Oil League did not last long. The team folded pretty quickly as a result of both poor play and I think the league was kind of shutting down. Hmm. And in July of 1896, uh, 19 years old, it appeared that Rube's baseball career might have been at an end before it could even begin. He returned home to Butler County to help the family farm and probably throw rocks at birds. Well, I mean, that's part of farming. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Keep the seed. Damn birds! Leave the seed in the ground! Listen, Rube, you have to settle down and pick something where you're going to make money, like throwing rocks at birds. <laughs> Don't go throwing this leather ball with your friends, patting butts. <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> What do you think Rube sounded like? Uh, well, can we pull up a picture? Have you seen a picture of yeah. him? Yeah. Oh, yes. I want Mike to just have a picture. I need a visual of this yeah, guy. So just to give some credit while we're looking this up. Rube is going to be 6'1", and his playing weight is going to be, like, around 220. Um, and this is when the average male height in America was, like, 5'7". So he's a giant to all the people that he meets. <laughs> and he also has just dumb face. <laughs> just permanent dumb face whenever you see a picture of him. Yeah, yeah there's a man that likes to throw rocks at birds. Oh, <laughs> huge. Yeah. Jesus. Oh. Yeah. And also, uh, this is kind of skipping ahead, but he becomes a tremendous alcoholic. So none of that will help along the way. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because he does have that dumb face you talked about, but he's not like an ugly guy. No. He's he's one of those guys who you look at and you're like, there's something missing. Something's not behind the eyeballs. I don't know what it is, but there's no one behind. He looks permanently 15. He is like, he reminds (laughs) me of this kid I used to work with. Who, I swear to God, this fucking kid, we were working at the deli, and uh, he, he came over to me and was like, hey, I need five minutes to eat this sandwich because I'm bulking. <laughs> and I was like, 
just fucking with him and i said yeah you can go but you only have a minute <laughs> and he came out he comes back in like 13 seconds and was just like was that fast enough just, just stop. Oh. <laughs> by the way i do i have to go home yeah, yeah he also really had, good. he also asked me uh what my fate what i would want as a superpower i don't know what i said but his answer was the best because you know he was priming me he went he's like oh well you want to be your superhero power oh mine would be i would want to be able to shake off like a dog <laughs> what? <laughs> you're fucking weird he was weird very stupid nice kid this sounds like rube <laughs> he, honestly the kid could play him in a yeah, bio okay it's perfectly method acting wow i like to eat ants <laughs> <laughs> so this uh thankfully for us and for the baseball world um this idle period for rube did not last uh early the next year the Pittsburgh Pirates of the National League come calling for Rube, inviting him to a tryout with the Major League Club. So this is a huge deal. He's going from like a local hometown to job league, yeah. yeah, to all of a sudden the biggest Majors. league in the world or in the country. And the Pirates are one of the better teams in the NL. So that old? That's the same Pirates. Same Pirates today. today. Wow. Same Pirates as today. Dang. Yeah. Uh, they came calling for Rube, and they invite him to a tryout. Rube says, "No thanks. <laughs> I'm good." Just no thanks? He's like, uh, why do I care playing baseball with you guys when I'm playing baseball here? And they're like, yeah, well, because we're the majors. And he's like, what is that even? I don't give a shit. I'm playing more, ball. More I don't money? Care. More money? <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. He's like, I got, I'm playing ball. What do you mean? Go play ball for you. It was probably like one of the smartest moments of his life where he's like, wait a minute. There's no water around Pittsburgh. How can there be pirates? <laughs> it was probably a wonder something. of like... There's too much. There's a river around there, so they might not have as many fires. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a river, so there's fishing. Oh, no. That would tear him. That would kill him the apart. birds. Thankfully, uh, Rube's decision gets made for him when the team, after hearing that he's not super interested, responds that, hey, before the tryout, there's a free breakfast. And oh. then Rube is on the next train to Pittsburgh. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Hey, breakfast is awesome, yeah. so I don't blame him. Yeah. Uh, it I just works. Breakfast. So. Imagine him getting like staying at like a days in and it, <laughs> That's like, some of the talking best to his breakfast. wife or something. He's like, "We have to stay here, honey, because they got breakfast. They have a free breakfast. <laughs> it's so good." Um, we have no idea what happened at this breakfast, but once it was over, manager Patsy Donovan kicked Rube out of the tryout before they even got to the ballpark. <laughs> really? Oh. And we have no idea why. The only rumor is that apparently all it took was Patsy Donovan heard him speak and was like, no, he's out. <laughs> <laughs> and also their mascot was a, a live parrot yeah. that walked around and showed up for the pirates. And he just fucking belted it. <laughs> yeah, belted the fucking... Yeah. yeah. No one knows what he said or if it was just his voice, but Patsy Donovan kicked him out right after the breakfast. Wow. So there's a common phrase... Um, I'm sure it's used in other instances, but like if a minor league baseball player makes it to the majors today, but only lasts for like a month before getting sent down again, it's called having your cup of coffee in the big leagues. Rube had a literal cup of coffee in the uh, big leagues. <laughs> is that where it's from? I don't think so, but it, we should start that lie. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, we, if we don't even know where he got his name from, we could definitely lie on his behalf. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think with Rube, at least it's a cup of coffee in a Denver omelet. Yeah, I think so. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> hey, not a lot of people get to do it. No, you know? no. Just saying. Have you ever been convinced to do something because of, like, specifically breakfast? 
I don't wake up early enough to get no. that mindset. No. Just convince my breakfast? Yeah, like, maybe. I was like, Mike, uh, can you come over and help me move this couch? Actually, my friend Gabe would bribe me with cereal sometimes. You go take him to go skateboarding. <laughs> like, yo, I don't want that gas money, but I got cereal. I'd be like, all right, sick. I'll eat some. Dude, some Captain Crunch, right bro. Some Fruit Loops. Yeah. <laughs> I do envy people who can bargain with. Yeah, more like, yeah, than okay, just I'll, I'll get you, bro. We'll get, I'll eat some cereal at your house. Group. Yeah, we'll your, your friend was pretty smart. He's like, I don't have anything yeah, other good than cereal. This cereal. Yeah, good cereal. Yeah. Very odd, but um, hey, if it works. Anyway, sorry. Well, speaking of food, I I've also got a list of just like facts that came up in the biography and like all the little like blogs because it's you know it's old timey baseball. There's all these blogs and stuff that like talk about it. So I've just kind of been keeping a list of facts where I don't know where to include them in the narrative so since we're talking about breakfast here's one many people would attest that rube could eat an entire gallon of ice cream in a single sitting so he's probably putting away more than just like a denver omelet and a bowl of cereal yeah <laughs> oh all right all right yeah, that sounds good a gallon of ice cream a, in a single sitting like they said it was like in 10 minutes he'd eat a gallon of ice cream that's insane <laughs> yeah i kind of want to try to do that I can't even get all a pint. That. Yeah, a pint of ice cream is hard enough. When I was enough. bulking, I would try to do a pint, and I was like, oh, I'm diabetic. It didn't work. <laughs> oh, no. I can't. Ben and Jerry, I'm sorry. I have they to write an apology then. letter to you. <laughs> yeah, this is before diabetes <laughs> was invented. Thank you. Yeah, before the CIA invented diabetes. I thought, it was, I, I thought Michelle Obama invented diabetes. No, no. Damn you. <laughs> CIA needed to do yeah. it. Just like yeah, AIDS but, and crack. It's funny because, like, we had, I think Marlon Brando could do the same thing when we did that. He just ate <laughs> gallons right. of ice cream. I That's feel right. like, I know ice cream's existed for a long time, but I feel like in the turn of the century, it's like, instead of space age, they're like, ice cream, it's sky age food. Right. <laughs> Where the gods future food. Another question. Isn't it impossible to drink a gallon of milk? Isn't that a thing? It curdles? Well, is a gallon of ice cream a different It's cream. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. know. I think, think it would be one to one, right? <laughs> well, if anyone could drink a gallon of milk, my money's on Rube. Okay, I'll give you. Yeah, that. yeah. So Rube's out of the majors after a breakfast, <laughs> um, but it was not all for naught. As the that spring, a local college um, that had just started up a few years before offered Rube a spot on their team. This was Volant College. It was a new school trying to attract students, and they believed that having a good baseball team would do just that. So they offered the local boy free tuition, free room and board, and free chewing tobacco, and he would what also get deal? $1 a game. What? Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Balling. <laughs> He's doing well. Here's the sweet American tradition of just letting rubes into college yeah. <laughs> throw balls. Yeah, it's What's great one also because it's, it's like college where nowadays, or like it's kind of changed now, but like used to be if you ate a bowl of cereal that the school gave you and didn't report it, you're ineligible to play because you're no longer an amateur. And meanwhile, in the 1890s, they're like, we'll pay you a dollar a game. It's kind of how it should be now. Yeah, and it, no, it is. It's finally changed in the last, like, three or four years. I don't know why they make these guys actually get educations. They're kind of stopping. They finally realized. Yeah, just, like, yeah. just give them a little bit of money. Stop with all the education shit. Yeah. So, and just, like, have them play. Like, so, treat it like an institution. An Ohio State quarterback <laughs> uh, named Cardale Jones a couple years ago, or this maybe, like, eight years ago, Someone asked him about this, like the academic stuff, and his response is the perfect response for all of this. It just goes, we aren't here to play school. And Rue yeah. wasn't there to play school. Good. <laughs> yeah. 
Bless Rube joined the band, never attended a single class, and led an unstoppable baseball team. He pitched two or three times every week. Uh, nowadays, most starters will only pitch once every six days, and Rube is out here pitching three days a week. And on his off days, he wouldn't rest. He would go to the nearby town of Greenville and pitch for a local club team there. So he's pitching probably six days a week, and this is when pitchers usually didn't get relieved, so he's pitching all nine innings. Or no, they're playing seven Ooh. innings. So he's pitching seven innings of every game five or six days a week. Damn, man. Yeah. Even even though he's like ambidextrous, like I'm assuming they'd be like, all right, I'm gonna use my left arm for this. Uh, no, blah, blah, blah. so he's but, only he only throws lefty, but he does bat righty. Oh, okay, all yeah, right. But he, he would only ever be a lefty pitcher. Uh, one of these days, when he's returning from Greenville on his way to Volant, Rude was Rube was kidnapped at gunpoint by a highway gang of highway robbers. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> However, the kidnappers did not want money. Instead, they held him in the town until it was too late for him to get back to Volant in time for the game. (laughs) (laughs) And it would be the only game Volant would lose the entire season. And then his kidnappers said, hey, you're too late for the game in Volant. We'll give you a dollar to pitch for Mercer today. And Rube said, sure. Pitched for Mercer. Seven inning shutout. They sent him on his way. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably the reason they made sports contracts at all. Oh, man, the contracts are going to get even better. It's it's wonderful. So Rube was dominating the small school talent. On multiple occasions, he would order his teammates off the field and pitch with no fielders behind him, just him and the catcher. So if you don't know baseball, you might not have any idea how insane that is. Yes. He's like, no one, this is a no-hitter every time. He's like, because if... If you make contact, you're going to have a triple or maybe a home run. And instead, he would just strike out the side, sometimes in nine pitches. Wow. To further demoralize his opponents, he would sometimes walk off the mound doing handstands or cartwheels back to the dugout. Oh, he's entertaining, too. <laughs> Man, full show. Do you imagine, like, you get out there, you're like, I play for my college team, I'm pretty good. And then a guy just goes, hey, everyone off the field. And then he strikes you out on three pitches and cartwheels across you. Oh my god! Oh wow! And he's six foot one. <laughs> yeah. So, Wait, giant how? Man. Giant dude. I know he didn't crazy. have like speed radar or anything, like that, but how? Roughly how fast is he pitching? Do we know? I think they've done like um, studies to try and find out how fast these guys pitch. Like he, him, we'll never know. It's too far. But I think they well, found he- out guys in the twenties, like. We're throwing not too much slower than they are today. Okay. Um, I mean, we have one guy who broke his fingers, <laughs> yeah. bent them back all the but way. That, so. that might be more of a case of the not having a mitt. We don't know. <laughs> more, but we yeah. can test it. We just need a, a corpse. Oh, one, th- one thing about all of this baseball stuff is they also usually only would use like a single or like three or four balls in a game. Mm. So nowadays they go through, I think, like a hundred a game is like the really? average. Wow. Yeah. So it's always shit. like a perfectly fresh ball that they can throw with. Meanwhile, they're throwing with stuff that's like covered in dirt. Their spitballs are still happening at this time. So like the ball is just getting slower and slower over the game, but he's still throwing heat the whole way. Wait, so in the majors right now, they use a new ball every time this pitch? Almost every time. Wow. I mean, like a foul it. ball, new ball. Is it three every, or four pitches? Every, every new ball. ball. Is it every batter up, right? Like typically? It's, it's, there's no like. 
hard and fast rule, but yeah. if like a catcher catches it and is like, oh, there's dirt on this, he just hands it back really? to the umpire oh, and they give him a new one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen pitchers before like get a ball yeah. and throw it back. You can look it up. Like, the average is something I think in the 70s. Yeah. What a waste, though. Like, yeah. stop being such a pussy. Just it's fucking. It's a sport. Pretend it's yeah. a sport. Uh, Ruben's it's still a game. A... <laughs> yeah, it's a match. A baseball match. It's a baseball match. Yeah. Ruben still chased after the occasional fire truck, uh, but he was so good, no one cared. <laughs> Valant won Mike, the league title. Mike, you had to watch out if you ever delivered for Rube. He'd probably just chase after your truck. Yeah, he probably hit me with something. <laughs> I want to drop you. off the mail with you, Mike. There's a big bird on the You're side of your truck. You're scaring the birds away, <laughs> asshole. I'm trying to fucking hit them. <laughs> I'd love to take him skeet shooting. Yeah, <laughs> he'd probably. He was a good shot. I say I take him hmm. dancing. I think. Yeah, I mean, shooting isn't exactly a skill of IQ. Some people no, can just he feel has, it, yeah. and he has great hand-eye coordination. That's a, yeah. that's all you really need. You yeah. need to. Be able to feel it and go, <laughs> So Valant wins the league title, and Rube averaged, averaged 15 strikeouts a game in seven inning games. Wow. So there's only 21 outs, and he's averaging 15 strikeouts a game. Oh, my God. Yeah. God damn. This was also before the foul ball strike rule came into effect. So nowadays, people don't know baseball. If you hit a foul ball, yeah, strike. it's one strike one. Hit another foul ball, strike two. Another foul, you just can keep going to stave off strike three back then if it's a first pitch and you foul it off it's still zero zero count so it oh. has to be swings or misses or in the zone for a strike wow oh, and he's dude. averaging 15 strikeouts a game that is the smartest rule to add <laughs> yeah i know because <laughs> so like wow, i used canceling to... a shit ton of games due to darkness we gotta figure yeah. out a way to speed this up. i I, yeah. I used to play when i was little and it's just like and i used to catch and pitch because, you know, I'm, I'll go both ways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you know, you'd have some batters where you, they're just fouling and fouling and fouling. Yeah, and if they're not getting strikes on those boys, yeah. I mean, that happens when you've hit two strikes and they yeah, keep but, fouling forever. But, Jesus. yeah, it takes forever. It helps. Uh, Rube would miss his second game after the kidnapping. And it was a big deal because it was the Volant had already won the league title, but they had a graduation day game against Mount Union College. And Rube didn't show up, even though he was supposed to start. He was too busy at a local fireman's tournament. Tournament. Oh, doing the fireman drills there. Uh, that's dude, they got a pole cooler. at this yeah. one. It's extra long, and I keep going down it like a cool man. I keep my boots lifting on. ladders. It's great. Yeah, with my boots and red underwear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ironically, Volant would close its doors as a school in 1911 after it burned to the ground. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, who burnt it? Was it Rube? Rube was I don't like, know. He never, seen, he never he was seemed probably like a fire way. setter. If he, was, he, if if he, he knew there, it was on fire, yeah. Yeah. we'd probably still have that college. <laughs> He's probably throwing rocks at <laughs> the control panel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, oops. <laughs> so after the college season ended, uh, Rube is back in Butler uh, pitching for the local team there. He's in the middle of a game when a detachment of the National Guard marches onto the field and arrested him mid-game, throwing him into an army prison. What? Wow. Jeez. Apparently, a couple of days before this, Rube had seen a bunch of guys hanging around wearing uniforms, thought they looked cool, and enlisted in the National Guard on a whim, and he never <laughs> showed up again. <laughs> What's wrong with that? At least you thought about it. Right. So that's yeah. what is that technically? Um... AWOL, I guess. Yeah, AWOL. Yeah, yeah. 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 AWOL from the National Guard. 
Dude, those guys look sick. I'm gonna join. That you know, you always saw them at all the school events during the Iraq War when we were there. They were in the Hummer. Yeah. You know, with the big <laughs> sound <laughs> system. Because you know that's what they had in Iraq. They had huge Hummers that were dumped with like sound systems. Yeah, yeah. it's tight. Yeah, with like no room inside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was thrown in army prison. And a couple of days after this, there, a large explosion rocks the jail, blowing out one of the walls. It was discovered that someone had somehow tossed an ammo cartridge into a wood-burning stove from quite a distance away. The investigation allegedly never found the perpetrator, but the next day, the National Guard released Rube. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm talking about before time. Like, back then, you could do shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In no, his it's, cell, it's just whipping cartridges at a wood burning stove. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. You can't do that shit anymore. So, after another round uh, of Rube is back um, in Butler, he after the National Guard incident, he's back pitching for Butler again. And he's crushing the opposition against all these small steel towns in western Pennsylvania when Rube gets another shot at the big time. This time, it's the Louisville Colonels of the National League. They come calling for Rube. They want him on their squad. Okay. Those guys don't exist no more. Must have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They were really bad. <laughs> uh, time. Colonels are not great. Rube had been signed late in the 1897 season. It was mostly just kind of like an extended tryout. They knew he was good enough to be in the big leagues, but could he stick? That was the question. Was he going to show up? Was he going to show up? Yeah. How, <laughs> How close was their stadium? Yeah. Yeah. How close was their field to a firehouse? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not the firehouse. Well, I guess the firehouse too, but also like how close is it to lumber yards and uh, barns and other things that might catch fire easily? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or fish. Or fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably the bigger distraction for Rube. Uh, is, yeah. So it's extended tryout. How can he do against the better competition? And also, this is a lost season for the team. Throw him out there. He'll. You know, he'll soak up the innings that we have left to play because we're not going anywhere. Okay. He arrives at the team hotel in D.C. The team is visiting Washington when he's signed. And he walks in and proceeds to bang on the door of manager Fred Clark at 2 in the morning trying to introduce himself. Clark has no idea what the hell's happening. Opens the door demanding, who the hell is banging on my door waking me up the night before a game? Rube responds, quote, Why? I'm your new pitcher, Rube Waddell. I'm surprised you didn't know me. I just got in town, and I also need two bucks. <laughs> it's two in the morning. I need as they say. Yeah. yeah, two in the morning. I need a dollar for each hour of today. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, he's like Forrest Gump with no shame, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, that's this a that's a blessing. Yeah, yeah. No, no shame, no manners. No shame, no manners. But uh, and instead of speed, it's pitching yeah uh the <laughs> clark is so mad that he decides to pull a little bit of a hazing on the rookie and he says to waddell after they have like their pleasantries in the door at two in the morning why don't you go wake up everyone else on the team to introduce yourself rube does that right away bangs <laughs> on every single door in the hotel introducing himself wow. to his new teammates <laughs> He woke up every single player with one exception. The only person he could not wake up was outfielder William Dummy Hoy. <laughs> what I missed. <laughs> the reason Dummy Hoy was called Dummy was he was a deaf mute 
and he is the reason that we have the hand signals for strike, ball, out, and safe. Oh, wow. No shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I like his name, Dummy. That's... Dummy. That's his dummy name. Hoy. Well, he's, he can't hear or speak. He's Dummy. Yeah. You <laughs> got to show good. him with your hands what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> show him like this. Yeah. I do it like that. Go listen to this podcast. Yeah. So all the players, maybe with the exception of Dummy, hated Rube right from the jump. Um, Clark decided to further punish him for this little escapade by having him pitch that very next day against the defending NL champions, the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, shit. His catcher would be another rookie, a guy by the name of Ossie Schreckengast, who would, Rube would come to call Shrek. Nice. Oh, shit. Yeah. Shrek, uh, we're not going to talk about him much today, but he he and Rube will become quite the pair down the road. Oh, dude. I can't wait until the second episode, Shrek 2. (laughs) Shrek 2. It's going to be so good. Uh, Rube and the Colonels would lose the game, but Rube pitched really well. Uh, They they lost like it was a low-scoring game. The team committed a bunch of errors, so it really wasn't Rube's fault that they lost. And he really showed that he has the stuff to pitch against the best players in the country. I mean, this is the defending team, defending wow. champions, and he's doing well. Uh, the Colonels continued to flounder basically throughout the rest of the year. Rube gets his first chance to pitch in front of his home crowd in a doubleheader against Pittsburgh. A newspaper would report the day after, quote, It was necessary to be at the park yesterday afternoon to properly enjoy what transpired there. Rube, in front of his hometown team, brought out all of the theatrics he had. He elongated his windup. He would hesitate right before throwing it. He would make odd noises right before his release to try and throw off the batter. <laughs> I actually like his play style, though, I will say. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's cool, great. Very cool play very, style. He's a showman. He, he loves entertaining yeah. people. This is the sound that a bass makes when it's underwater. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, uh, the, the uh, Bradford Globetrotter. Yeah, he is, he is a Globetrotter. Gee, <laughs> wow. One of the pirates that he struck out that day was none other than Patsy Donovan, the man that had cut him during the breakfast. Rube yapped at him the entire time he was striking him out and then did cartwheels and handstands back to the dugout. That's how you get back to someone, I guess. His teammates were really frustrated with his antics already. They'd been with him for about a month. They were so mad at him at this day that they basically made him go coach, become the first base coach when the team was hitting. Not for any reason other than to get him out of the dugout. Why is he just like just like in the way? He's just a big fucking weirdo. He's just making noises. He's doing cartwheels, doing handstands. He's probably eating a thousand hot dogs. Yeah, I can't stop doing it. So while yeah, they give out these long tubes of meat here. They're really good. I'm gonna eat a lot of them. (laughs) Uh, Rube responded to this by. Spending his time as a first base coach, mimicking the opposing pitcher's windup, talking more shit, and making pig noises at the crowd. (laughs) He was a huge hit among the fans. Uh, Obviously, his teammates grew tired of him very quickly, and he was traded to the Detroit Tigers uh, in November. Now, the Tigers, uh, this is still the Detroit Tigers that exist today. Oh, wow. Back then, they were in the Western League, so they're trading him out of the big leagues to the Western League was a minor league at the time, but it was... It's probably like the second biggest league behind the National League. Rube would quickly get his revenge, though. Um, he finally had a chance for a full spring training with a top club in 1898 with the Tigers. And in April, he was set to face his old club Louisville in an exhibition game. In game one, he didn't start. 
and the Tigers gave up 15 runs in four innings. Jesus. Woo. Yeah. So the ti- Tigers were not great. Well, also they're a league below the Colonels, so it kind of makes sense. Rube came in in the fifth inning and did not allow, only allowed one more run the rest of the game, and it was a Hall of Fame. It was a home run to a future Hall of Famer, Honus Wagner. Uh, so you know, great showing again. The only hit, only run he gives up is to one of the best players ever. At okay, the time. that's that's fine. Yeah. Wow. When the Tigers arrived in Detroit, the only thing that could push Rube off the front pages of the papers was the outbreak of the war with Spain. Otherwise, everyone wanted to talk about the Rube. <laughs> nice. Big Rube. Yeah. Dude, big R. Yeah, big <laughs> He's R. He's the big R. I would call, we should call him the hard R. But the hard R. The hard R. <laughs> yeah. The hard Rube. Look at yeah. that chisel jaw on that hard R. That R right there. His antics kind of like if the MLB and WWE combined into like <laughs> the baseball WWE. Yeah. I just picture Kane for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm thinking Kane Stone took Cold. Off his mask and started saying like, uh, "How are you guys?" It's like we- his great great grandpa or something like that. <laughs> some shit. I want to go fishing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go. You pay for the bait. Let's do it. Uh, so Rube was dominating the Western League. He was crushing the competition. The problem was the Tigers sucked outside of Rube. At one point in the season, the team had three wins and 13 losses. All three wins were when Rube started. Problem was, Rube was not super consistent. For his whole career, Rube would have this pattern where he would start to get on a hot streak, cap it with one amazing performance. He would celebrate that amazing performance by going on an all-day bender. And then would struggle to shrug off his hangover for the next few games before he finally got his stuff back and would go on another hot streak. Oh. Yeah. This is a, that's a true athlete. Yeah. That's how athletes should be. I it's agree. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. I want to die post-battle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like a so Viking. He, like, a Nor- like a Norse that just came back from Viking. Yeah. I got I to gotta <laughs> chill. I got to chill for yeah. a bit. I deserve this. <laughs> I deserve this right now. Imagine how many times like Tony Hawk felt like that when doing mad sick competition stuff. Just beating all the skateboarders and then going, oh man. He said he hated it after a while. He said it sucks. I know. I'm too good. Because he didn't get fucking hammered. Yeah. And too hung over to skate well the next day. Yeah. Well, that, it probably led, that's probably good, though, because the guys that did. No, Mike. Uh, no, Mike. No, 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 no. We like Tony Hawk here, but. I watched the documentary. I know what you're talking about. He could have used a little meth. That would have hey, shaken everyone's things up. Everyone's done meth. Everyone's done meth. You know, once. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. It's usually just on accident. I everyone's did by accident it. once. Yeah. Yeah. It's a accident. <clears throat> you think it's? Mo- I guess Molly is meth, right? It's close enough. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. They're both amphetamines. I've never done that. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Flintstone <clears throat> vitamins, right, yeah, Mike? Flintstone vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <clears throat> like a battery. <laughs> like a rock has to his bedroom. Tasty. <laughs> um, so Rube was still, was still spending his off days pitching for other local clubs. And, you know, when he is at a, other, a smaller local club, this is fine. But when he's pitching for, like, a pseudo-major league team, it's not. Uh, the Tigers owner hated it and said he was going to fine Rube $25 if he continued to do so. Rube never really understood how he could get fined for playing more baseball. So, but he listened. He was like, "Fine, if you're gonna find me, uh, whatever." Uh, but he did it in secret. <laughs> oh wow! All right. We were like a wig or something like that, or 
No, he would just like it's the night. It's eighteen ninety eight. He can just sneak away and like. Yeah, sure <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna capture him on his smartphone. Yeah, <laughs> you just put on like Check take a mop here. Take a mop head off and put it under your baseball hat. <laughs> like it's me, uh, Duty Wadelli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the team's woes continued throughout the summer, and after one particularly rough stretch. Uh, the team shows up, Rube isn't there, and then they s- look up into the stands and they see Rube sitting in the stands wearing a suit, heckling his teammates while munching down peanuts for the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> they never saw or heard from him again. <laughs> that's so. That's how that's you quit. Creepy. Like that, Everyone, it doesn't matter if you're playing sports or whatever. That's how you quit. Show up in a suit, eat peanuts, heckle your former coworkers, and leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. if you were ever to, like, quit your library gig, you just roll in there and just be the worst customer ever. Like, yeah, it's on the so phone. loud. <laughs> Peanut shells all over the ground. Peanut shells, Oakley's, yeah. suit jacket. <laughs> uh, the reason they never saw or heard from him again was because no one had for a little while. And it wasn't until about a month later that finally we get word that Rube had left the country and went to Chatham, Canada, pitching for a local club there. That's cool. You get the merchandise there. Yeah. Collect it. He's an international star now. Yeah, the jersey probably is probably a cool jersey. Uh, the jerseys then were like, it was a button-up cotton shirt that maybe, maybe had, had like a logo. Like crappy writing on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, those old timey baseball shirts—they're they're weird. Nothing, <laughs> nothing about baseball actually looks cool. Like they all look like milkmaids. <laughs> like even today with the, yeah, the getup, it's yeah. kind of like yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, if baseball came around today, they wouldn't be wearing pants. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't be wearing like pajama or, pants. Like, which is what it looks like, like, like uh, they wear. Yeah. flops and like just like jeans. <laughs> I mean, that'd be way cooler to have a bunch of like assholes and jeans. Or like cargo shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we'll have the option to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think the funniest thing when you go to a modern day, you know how they have like the themed days where they change their uniforms up. Oh yeah. Like- I remember going in the '90s to like the Mets Future Day. And, like, they just put on these gaudy fucking uniforms. Or it's like, this is what we're going to look like in the future. It's like the most hideous thing in the world. There's actually amazing pictures. What was it? I think it was called, like, the Millennium Series. I know this. The, what you're talking about, Travis. Yeah. Because a bunch of teams did it. Um, and they all look so, so bad. Yeah. There's a, there's a really cool site out there. Uh, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, so this is not very good, but they make replica hats of, like, all these original, like, 20s, like, 1910s oh, and stuff. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh... It's pretty cool. They just released one that has a Star of David on it for the uh, Hebrew orphan, <laughs> like, asylum team. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Follow them on Instagram. I don't know what their name is. That doesn't make any sense. Jews only play basketball. That's true. No, Jews love baseball. Sandy Koufax. Who the hell's that? We're going to talk about him. Jerry Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, no, I guess they like the Mets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Rube's in Chatham, Canada, and pitching for a club there. In one game, he pitched a no-hitter, and he had 17 strikeouts, and the other nine uh, outs were all balls hit right back to him. Which means that Rube could have pitched the entire game with only a catcher and first baseman. He never he didn't he didn't need the fielders. What a boring <laughs> like being shortstop for Rube Waddell. Probably sucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably sucked. Well, unless he had just been drinking. Then it was great. Actually outfielders so that game back then, 
we talked about this the other day. That whole game was very infield at this oh, time. There was no home yeah. runs. No home runs. So this is back. This is the, the dead ball are area. Right? What? So the bats. The bats are a little bats different. Hit. The balls are different. It's the called the dead ball era because no one tried to hit home runs, which meant there were way less strikeouts and the averages, the batting average was higher because everyone's batting for like a single. No one's like swinging as hard as they can. Yeah, they're not. They're not trying to hit it out of the park. Yeah. It was way more physical. It's like, just like a fucking yeah, yeah, trying to put the ball in play type of stuff, and that's kind of what makes Rube's strikeout totals so insane. Is that this is the dead ball era. No one has, is recording strikeouts the way he does. Damn. Yeah, and also the there was no consistency with the baseball itself. Like yeah, now, every, like you were saying, changing, like yeah. everyone changes the ball all the time. But there's like a your baseball weighs this much. You know, it's balanced yeah. this way. Like, Back then, it's just like baseball. a lump of rubber, you know, wrapped in leather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the That's very cool. the very next day after this um, pretty incredible game, he then went out and struck out twenty batters. Jesus Christ. He was so popular in Chatham that the team went from playing twice a week to four or five times a week just so they could get more ticket sales because of how big of a draw Rube was. Jeez, man. However, Rube quickly grew tired of Canada. We don't know why, because um, I feel like the fishing would be good, so he'd love it. But either way, he returns home to Prospect, Pennsylvania in the summer, late summer of 1898. So Louisville and Detroit, the two major league clubs he'd been playing with earlier, they didn't want any more of the Rube. So the only offer that came in was from the Columbus Senators. Uh, they were also in the Western League with the Tigers. What a bad name for a team. Yeah, it doesn't last, so. Yeah. Don't worry about uh, your it. Your Senators? Yeah, it's kind of Like, boring. who's at home going, fuck yeah, Senator? Like, Tiger. That's, <laughs> that shit's tight. Tom, there are people who are like, I like the Senators. <laughs> I like the Senators. I'm a, yeah. I, it's like, you know, be the Columbus, like, congressman. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. want to fucking, I don't want to <laughs> associate a name of a team that's supposed to kick ass with, like, fucking. Mitch McConnell? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren? Diane Honestly. Feinstein? <laughs> Andrew Weiner? <laughs> yeah. Like, no thanks. Oh, dude, that guy's strong as Chuck Schumer. He yeah. can really fucking run. <laughs> so Rube's on the Senators, uh, and they were going to start the season. Their season opener is against none other than the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Rube, I, don't, I think, yeah, Rube pitched, and Columbus won 4-3, so he got a little bit of revenge. Nice. The 1899 season is when Rube really started to put it all together, and this is when he becomes pretty widely well known across like the entire northeast um because he's in one of the he's in the second biggest league and he's starting to really crush um by july uh rube had a record of 20 wins and four losses which accounted for half of all of the team's wins and all four losses could easily be explained away by errors or teammate miscues so like the four games he lost he'd either lose like one nothing or he'd lose 4-3 and three of the runs scored because his defense fucked up. That's how good he is. Damn. Yeah. Dang. This is when we first heard of one of Rube's methods for training. Because apparently, before every single game, he would pour ice water over his left arm, claiming that if he didn't do this, he would burn right through the catcher's mitt. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Ice Wait, so he's before the game. Yeah, he's kind of like ahead of his time, and that's the whole like cryo bucket shit yeah, where people go yeah, into. Yeah. Usually, you ice your arm after the game, Wim not, Hof. It's not to good, num- numb it before the game. That's probably a good little before it too, as well. Let me loosen them up, maybe. Maybe yeah. your blood flowing in your hand. Yeah, I guess. Probably not. I don't think anything. You I think said it's the opposite. Yeah, wait. Actually. I think it's the opposite. It's the opposite. So yeah, Mike, you're thinking of no, jerk. The blood you're would thinking... go away. 
Once you Mike, you're thinking of jerking off. You're supposed to ice it so you can't feel your hand anymore. Yeah. You know then you I, jerk off. I, I'm a major league, uh, major league pitcher, please. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you are a pitching but official. I, I play for the Ducks. Yeah. Yeah, pitching some seed into a fucking tissue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so despite Rube's heroics, not everything looked great for Columbus. The city didn't really support the club, and so halfway through the season, the entire team up and moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and became the Grand Rapids Prodigals. Rube would start the home opener in Grand Rapids in front of 1,600 fans, which was far more than the average turnout of 200 people in Columbus. The team won the first game 15-3, to and the Grand Rapids paper reported, quote, they may call Waddell Rube, but he knows how to pitch something besides hay. Some good old-timey newspaper shit there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Someone thought that was awesome. Yeah, this is great. Look, I know I sound retarded on this show this sometimes, is be a but fire I can write. Headline, okay, yeah. I would yeah, never no, write that. I am retarded. <laughs> that guy was like, um, "Print that," because one day I will start a company called BuzzFed. <laughs> that that will get clicks. So Ruve and the rest of the prodigals, uh, they start to climb the standings. They're battling with the in-state rival Tigers now for third place. Uh, Rube's exploits continued throughout the year. They had a doubleheader, and Rube decided to pitch both games, which is just insane. He dominated the first game and then got shellacked in the second. So, one and one. You know, split the difference. Yeah, I mean, you you just get tired. Yeah. 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 So, just to put that in perspective, he pitched 18 innings in one day. Pitchers nowadays will pitch 18 innings maybe over the course of a whole week. Right. And, like, that's considered, like, a heavy workload. And he did it in yeah. one day. And then the very next day, the scheduled starter got sick. So Rube said, I'll, I'm still feeling fine. And he pitched a shutout in this third game in 24 hours. <laughs> well, but, God probably damn. because he forgot to ice his he arm. He probably forgot to ice his arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and back then you had to go hike up a mountain and get the ice at the top of the mountain. <laughs> yeah, where are you getting this ice, man? They don't even have refrigerators. Yeah. They have the ice box. The old ice box. Yeah. Hit the ice box. You got to get a mare to bring it in on a carriage for you. <laughs> All hey, for Rube. Rube. We got to make sure he pitches good. Yeah. <laughs> so Rube would not finish the season with Grand Rapids, however. He was pitching so well that he got a call from his old Louisville manager, Fred Clark, the one he woke up in the hotel room. Okay. And Rube was going to give it another go in the yeah, National Rick. League. So he's back in the majors. Sweet. He's lighting it up now, uh, his second go around in Louisville. On and off the field. Because off the field, he found the time uh, in Louisville to train a flock of geese how to jump rope. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's his passion. That's his passion. Let, let him follow his passion. That was, he, was, <laughs> and he was meant to do that. I would never stop anyone... <laughs> If that's what they were trying to do, that is awesome. I'll buy the rope. It was meant yeah. to be. I respect it. Now, yeah. he was pretty good, apparently, animal handling. Um, one of the geese really couldn't get the hang of it, so instead Rube taught that one how to hold the other end of the rope. And <laughs> so oh, he would hold one end, well, the goose would hold the other, and he would twirl it around, and the goose in the middle would jump up and down. What the fuck? Dude, the amount of time these people have back then. Like, what? <laughs> and he would do it for pregame entertainment. So, like, fans would come to the stadium early and, like, watch Rube and his flock of geese. They, they didn't have YouTube videos to watch. Yeah. That's what you do. That would go over pretty well on YouTube now. Oh, that'd be so you, popular. You, you'd be watching that on YouTube. 
<laughs> you gotta watch those. Yeah, you uh, do that in real life back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. One of those, uh, one of the TikToks where uh, they use a uh, an AI generated woman's voice. Yeah, that's look scary. at Rubel showing these keys how to goose jump rope. <laughs> <laughs> you must see this. Can look, you jump goose? Oldie timey <laughs> baseball player Rubel. Do you think the end's near with AI? That's a, quite a tangent. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a big tangent. AI. Well, and when I say AI voice, Sorry, it's not God, really AI. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the end is near. I don't think it's from AI. I think it's from people thinking that AI is going to blow us up. That'll end us. And that will end AI. us. Yeah, yeah it'll yeah. be the people panicking about it. Because you could just turn shit off. I, I think you the end turn... is near because it's been over 100 years and we haven't had a Rube 2. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> no sequel. Uh, we need a Rube too, though. Uh, the season, would, the last games of the season were going to be in Pittsburgh. Um, Rube had a great outing in front of friends and family that had came out for him. His final combined record for 1899 between the two leagues was 37 wins and 12 losses. Oh, he so lost. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, so he's beatable. He's beatable. But like 30, 37 wins. Oh, because ne- his teammates sometimes yeah. try to fuck up, but, like, too. but they're also not starting him every game. That's no, he's, yeah, yeah, he's starting true, like four or five true. games, you know. Uh, just after, good. Yeah, just after the season, Rube married Florence Dunning on October 18th. Uh, they'd been seeing each other for about a year, apparently, and by all accounts, they seemed to be a great match. One Wait, teammate... did she train? Did she train like cats how to whistle? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, what what no, animal she, did she train? She how taught to do rats something. how to do hopscotch. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, on. They're having a uh, team banquet, basically, and so all the teams, the whole team is there with all their wives and girlfriends, and one teammate noticed that at the uh, dessert part, Florence ate a pastry without removing the paper wrapping, <laughs> and, <laughs> and said to Rube, the crust was particularly delicious. Oh, this is a match <laughs> made in heaven. <laughs> I like her. Yeah. She's sweet. She seems real sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> real sweetheart. Uh, so Rube spent his winter helping out on the family farm, putting out fires, and, of course, fishing, and also frequenting every single bar in town. Uh, he also started to pick up football at this point. It helped him helped keep him in shape. But big changes were happening outside of uh, Little Prospect, Pennsylvania at that point. The National League that winter dropped three of their teams, um, including the Louisville Cardin- Colonels. Fortunately for Rube, he was one of the three Colonels players that were bought Drafted. by the Pittsburgh oh. Pirates, along with Honus Wagner and player manager Fred Clark. Uh, basically, like the Colonels owner bought the Pirates team when they were doing this contraction to like make the league more successful. So he brought over his best players, and the other teams did the same thing. So now we're down to eight National League teams. Okay. The Western League responded to this by expanding into every single one of the cities that the National League had left, they rebranded as the American League. And so now we have the two major leagues that we know today, the National League and the American League, NL and AL. Hmm. Both in, now they're both in operation and in direct competition. In the first game of the 1900 season, uh, Rube comes on for relief after the starter got hurt. He pitches well. The game has already lost 3-0. That's because the opposing pitcher of the St. Louis Cardinals was one Cy Young. So do you guys know who Cy Young is? I heard yeah. that name, but I heard that, is it an award? You've heard the name because the Cy Young is the award given out to the best pitcher in the American League and National League every year. It has been since like the 30s, I think. Okay. 
And so Ruben and Cy Young are like two, the two best pitchers at this time. One has the most prestigious pitching award named after him. The other was Rube Waddell, who was a better pitcher than Cy Young. Gosh, <laughs> oh, dude, it, it should be the Rube Rube Waddell. The Rube Waddell. So, so yeah. who you know, yeah. as they say. So when did Cy Young get here from Korea? <laughs> <laughs> when did he uh, evolve into a Cy Duck? <laughs> <laughs> that came later. Um, no, I have I have a quick question. So yeah. you said that the. Back then, the National League and the American League, I'm sure, were like actually competing. Yeah, right? they're like, not. They're not the same thing. They are like they don't right. play games against each other. They are trying to sign the same groups of players. They don't like each other. Mm. Right, but nowadays, like the MLB, just like there's no competition. It's just like they're no, all part. It's, it's they're all the same thing, right? right? It's, for all intents and purposes, basically in 1993, it stopped being two different leagues. That late? Yeah. So oh, like. Wow. I think, yeah, because that's when interleague play started. So we're going to talk about like when they finally kind of come to like some sort of agreement. And then it's not until the 19, I think it's after the Black Sox scandal in 1919. That's when the MLB comes into being to like govern the two leagues, but they're still distinct entities. Oh, right? okay. But they can trade with each other. They can at that point and like that's when the world series is happening so like but that's the only time an al and nl team would ever play each other was the world series so like the yankees and the dodgers when they were both in new york and they were in different leagues they would only ever play each other if they both made the world series or they would Mm. play like preseason games that didn't matter right yeah Uh, and it wasn't until the 90s that they started interleague play where like finally they're playing the teams in the other league oh see you know i mean like it took them like over 100 years to get that right they should just bought a vince mcmahon and then they could have done it in like i don't know two decades yeah they could have done it way quicker and then they would have made it like um what more reality tv like right yeah also like so like the the national league didn't have a dh for a really long time until like two years ago so like that was part of like they're still different was like the al in the 60s was like we're gonna have a designated hitter now wait they changed that yeah now the the two two or three years ago covid they were like ah we'll do a dh in the nl this year and the nl is like we're never going back (laughs) 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 we're never letting pitchers uh bat again i i thought it was weird i haven't watched baseball in a while but i didn't know that they changed that and then also like don't the pitchers use like an earpiece now really like with the catcher there's been a shit ton of rule changes in the last two years that aren't That's worth crazy. There's so many like, rule changes like in baseball. I mean, like these sports are only getting lamer and lamer. Yeah, there's constantly. a pitch clock now. Oh, oh, there's a pitch clock? Yeah, so you have, like, once the batter and pitcher is set, you have to, the pitch has to be thrown in 12 seconds. I did not know that. Uh, started, that's all. It's starting this year. Again, this year, baseball changed more than it has in the past well, 100 good. years. I, I think that's, they should do that. No, I, it's, it's terrible it's because then we get another, we get Rube too and he can't do cartwheels and shit. <laughs> no, no, no. When the bat's over, he can cartwheel as much as possible. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, it's over. He gets but it over what, with. That was never a problem. I've sat through baseball games and they're long and boring and it's not the, all the pitchers. Uh, fault. Sometimes it drags out. They're trying fuck. to speed it up. That's yeah. what that's what they say. So well, they do need to speed that game up a bit. That's for sure. But I just don't think it's like you're gonna fix it with a pitch clock. Like yeah. those guys are never out there for more than fifteen seconds. Well, it gets the round, It gets the the innings going. You know. No. The pitch is what mm, what they really should do is build another diamond in the outfield and then have two games going on at once. Oh, that would be so <laughs> sick. <laughs> yeah, let's that would be that. pretty cool. And you switch at halftime. <laughs> the um. I think Futurama really cornered that market 
with all of us people who don't really like baseball that much, where we're just like, they should make it like Blurns Ball more. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> so like, I like the only like the Yankees is like the logo. I just like the hat. Yeah, and then New Era hat. I don't even follow baseball. All right, let's go back to Ruby times. <laughs> Ruby yeah, so Tuesdays. Back to Ruby times. Uh, so the season, the 1900 season, after that strong start, uh, season didn't go great for Rube. He was kind of up and down again. He pitched especially bad in Pittsburgh, um, probably because of the distractions from playing so close to his hometown and also because the bartenders there all knew him so he could get a few drinks for free and it doesn't really help his play. Right. Um, he's not doing well, so Fred Clark benches him um, in early May of that year. He would come back into the lineup, and he continues to mix brilliance with disaster, um, but he continues to just disappear for stretches. He was late to a scheduled start, and they were trying to find where he was, and they found him underneath the bleachers playing marbles with a group of kids. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, these guys got a new sport. I'm going to just do this now. It was not the only time that happened. <laughs> Check under the bleaches. Yeah. Uh, Clark also discovered that during nights, Rube was working for the Union Scout Theater Company, acting on stage, leading the band, or selling songbooks to the audience. Wow. What is wrong with this guy? And when I say that, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? Why can't yeah. we excel like this? Why can't we have joy like him? Yeah. Yeah, I'm f starting to feel like... I don't think of myself as being a smart guy, but I wish I was a lot dumber. Sometimes, yeah. Show. Oh, man. <laughs> Sometimes I wish we just you existed back then where it. you could do things. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That is, yeah. Uh, so speaking of being late for playing marbles, this is another fact that I couldn't really figure out a good time to put in. But all throughout his career, there would be dozens, hundreds of occasions where Rube is scheduled to pitch. Both teams are out on the field warming up. Rube is nowhere to be found. The clock is ticking. They're like, all right, should we, are we going to, right at the moment where they're about to be like, okay, let's go with a different pitcher. The crowd would begin to murmur because they would see Rube running down the stands, screaming, <laughs> stripping off all of his clothes because he wasn't wearing his uniform, running across the field naked because he only wore underwear right, apparently yeah. about half the time. <laughs> and then he would run into the dugout, change into his uniform and run out to the mound and scream, let's get him. <laughs> That's intimidation. Yeah, really. That's crazy. Yeah. Yo, just have, like, that have them balls and bats just jangling around in the outfield. <laughs> you know, like how many like small off-Broadway plays wish they could have this theatrical value? <laughs> you know, they have an audience plant, someone who gets up and starts like talking. This, oh, like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. I went to a play a couple of years ago. Pre-COVID, that was so wicked. Really, it was. I saw wicked. <laughs> no, I saw something that was wicked, awful, straight up. Oh, so wicked. Oh, it was uh, <laughs> Goodwill Hunting. Wicked sick. Man. I saw Goodwill Hunting the play. Let's just call it that. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, yeah, I was sitting in this little like hundred and fifty person theater, and they were just the play didn't make any fucking sense. And at some point, there was some guy who stood up in the audience and was, like got on stage. It was like that did nothing. <laughs> this play is still stupid. <laughs> They needed but, Rube there. Yeah, they needed Rube. Yeah. A naked yeah. dude go, let's fucking crush this, boys! <laughs> that's why, you know, that's because it's made by creative types. We need people that train geese to do hopscotch. <laughs> I think to write who, our entertainment. Anyone who, a sad play, honestly. Anyone who identifies as a creative type needs to do that uh, Gloucester cheese run. Yeah. Just put them down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just creative. Yeah. 
So the final straw for this uh, for his tenure with the Pirates would come when Rube showed up with a bum arm um, after teaching a group of schoolboys how to throw a curveball. Now, normally teaching a bunch of school kids how to play baseball, that's, you know, that's kind of what Major League Baseball players do today. They go around to schools and do this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. However, the problem was they didn't have a baseball, so Rube taught him how to throw a curveball by throwing bricks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is It'll how I started. Yeah. Smart. He threw his arm out. So Clark had given up. He basically he went into the owner's office and was like, do anything to get this guy off of my team. I cannot be around him. <laughs> he was like a beaten up horse. Yeah. Let's get out of here. He's suspended on July 8th. Two days later, he is back in, um, this time he's in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, home of the um, Groundhog, oh, wow. uh, playing for a bunch of smaller clubs. Uh, and he really did not give a shit that he was not in the majors anymore. Didn't care. He, I mean, did, he probably didn't realize what was happening. Yeah, he was like, he's oh, in his own bubble. He's like, I get to throw a ball and get paid. I get Wait, is that, is that how the groundhog tradition started? Rube would emerge from a <laughs> hole in the ground, and if he saw his shadow... <laughs> no, he was throwing rocks at it, which was why it kept running. Oh. Is it Puxatawney <laughs> Phil? Yeah, Puxatawney okay. Phil, yeah. That's the name. All right. Um, so he's having fun in Puxatawney when a guy named Connie Mack, the manager for the American League Milwaukee Brewers... Um, he had seen Rube pitch before and he had heard about the suspension. So he reaches out to Pittsburgh and is like, Hey, you're not, you don't want him on your team. How about he comes play for plays from us in Milwaukee? Um, and you won't have to worry about him basically. And they're like, okay, fine. Take him off our hands. But the problem is he's already in Punxsutawney. How do you get him out of there? Mac travels to the sit town and after breakfast, um, Rube suggested a walk around town as they waited for the three o'clock train to Milwaukee. He brings Mac to a dry goods store where he owed a bill, and he just handed the $12.35 bill to Connie Mac, who happily paid. You know, if this is the cost of doing business to get an ace pitcher, I'll do it. And then they would visit a dozen other stores where Rube owed money around Jeez. <laughs> That's how Mac, you do it. Yeah. yeah. Mac footed the bill for all of it, including an $8 for a puppy. Uh, Rube did not know what had happened to the dog. Wow. <laughs> That's, well, actually. That's actually okay. Back then, didn't matter. It's, it's a stray now. It's not like they're chipping them. Yeah. Now's a good no, time they to would, mention. They actually put wood chips in them. Oh, yeah. cool. Back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's called chipping. Face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now's a good time to mention that Rube loved dogs. Loved them so much, in fact, that opposing teams learned that they could bring a puppy into the dugout, and then when Rube was in his windup, hold the puppy up, and he would often get distracted and kind of <laughs> fall over a little. <laughs> <laughs> or... Or he'd go over to the dugout and play with the dog and stop pitching. Or sometimes just take the dog and leave. <laughs> Mike, do you like anything that much? I, I have like a love-hate within this guy. With this guy? Yeah. yeah. I just like him a lot, but I do have a destructive personality, I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah, this um, man's a hero. It wasn't just dogs, though. Opposing teams also learned that they could just hold up shiny objects in the dugout. Oh, he's a raccoon boy! (laughs) Makes sense. Like, grab a handful of aluminum foil and it'd be like, what's that? (laughs) I gotta see! (laughs) Is that gold? Uh, Or a fish? (laughs) He just does that, like, gold nugget check on everything. Yeah. Just like yeah. the bat, <laughs> like the balls. So Connie Mac pays all of Rube's bills in Bunksatani, um, and they get to the train station on time. But he has a he's worried because the whole town basically shows up because they don't want Rube to leave, 
And Rube is such like a soft-hearted guy that he almost stays in Punxsutawney rather than going back to the majors. Uh, but he gets him on the train and sends him back to Milwaukee. And Rube is back to being a great pitcher. Um, one of the biggest reasons for this was that near the stadium in Milwaukee, there was a really good fishing hole. <laughs> <laughs> and the cheese. Yeah. I'm sure he was a cheese man. I, if, if we <laughs> built the profile of this guy, he's a cheese man. He's a cheese yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Connie Mack would be the best manager Rube would ever have. Mack had a lot of patience. He understood Rube's oddities, and he knew how to get the best out of him. Uh, the team had a doubleheader on a Sunday, so Rube, he Connie Mack gave Rube the Saturday off before to go fishing. That way, he'd have a clear head. You know, don't worry about showing up to the stadium today, even though we have a game. We need you for tomorrow for the doubleheader. Okay. Nice. First game of the doubleheader, it goes into extra innings. Rube pitched all 17 innings wow. in like a, I think he gave up two runs in that game. Team wins. Whew. He then is in the dugout in between the uh, two games and he goes up to Connie Mack and says, you know, I'm feeling good enough. Let me go out for the second. And he's like, you just pitched 17 innings. I'm not going <laughs> to let you pitch another game today. And he's like, no, come on, come on. Just let me warm up a little bit. After pitching 17 innings. <laughs> Let me warm up. Let me warm yeah, up. Hey, if you're good at it, why not? And Mac knew that Rube would probably start off hot because they had just finished, but he was worried, you know, is he going to be able to go to the out. distance? Yeah. yeah, is he going to burn out? So he came up with an ingenious solution. He brings Rube aside and he says, look, Rube, I'll let you pitch the second game. And I'll let you pitch. And if you win, you can skip the road trip to Kansas City that we have next week and go fishing the entire time. <laughs> Rube pitched a shutout in nine innings. Damn! Oh, that's shit. motivation. Hell yeah! That's what I'm saying. He <laughs> left the stadium immediately to go fishing. Did not come on the train ride for the Kansas City road trip, and apparently also like missed the first few games after that because he was too busy fishing. But oh yeah! <laughs> in a single day, he had pitched 26 innings and gave up two runs and won two games. Wow. Holy God. shit! Yeah. So in another um, sign of just how well Connie Mack knew how to play to Rube's proclivities we'll say um, Rube had decided in one game that he was only going to throw changeups or curveballs rather than his fastball just for fun and it was going well at first but in the middle innings his performance is starting to slip so Connie Mack goes into the stands finds a Milwaukee fan remember they play for Milwaukee and asks this fan hey can you start heckling Rube and tell him like oh he must have like lost his fastball what a loser he can't pitch fast anymore and it worked because Rube got so angry at this guy that he started throwing heat and struck out the side. <laughs> Man, Connie's killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, his old Pittsburgh team had played their way into contention in the NL, and now they wanted Rube back uh, for a pennant push. So this is back when there are no playoffs. It's just whoever has the best record at the end of the season wins the pennant. They still wanted Rube, even though he had threatened to, A, quit baseball before ever playing for Pittsburgh again, and B... Shoot Fred Clark full of holes if he ever saw him again. <laughs> so instead, they said, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, honestly, is he he's gonna forget that he said that? <laughs> yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll be like, I, I got a puppy. Yeah. Uh, look, it's a little puppy tiger. No. Uh, Pittsburgh wisely sent someone other than Fred Clark to go talk with Rube. Um, that person also paid off all of his debts around Milwaukee, and so Rube decided to forgive and forget, and he's on his way back to Pittsburgh. Oh wow. He pitches well in this um, later half of the season, but not quite up to the standards he had been setting with uh, Connie Mack and the Brewers. Pittsburgh finished second in the league, but they were unable to make any sort of push for the first place finish they had expected with Rube back. 
Um, toward the end of the season, the team decides to organize a field day for the players to entertain the fans. The players were encouraged to dress up and did so in the most old-timey racist ways you can think of. Oh, no. <laughs> of course. Oh, true Thankfully, our boy Rube did not partake in that. He dressed up as Uncle Sam, beard, top hat, and all. All right. I was I was thinking you were gonna say like he dressed up as potato salad, <laughs> <laughs> or, or as Justin Trudeau. I'm a fish. <laughs> uh, the main event of this field day was supposed to be a greased pig contest. Uh, they had they had secured that sounds racist a 300 pound behemoth of a pig. They were gonna cover it in oil and have it run around the field and have the players try and catch it. Jeez, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Now, Rube, Mike, being a good you farm boy. I would definitely do that. That would be something like a good time. Yeah. I, I don't want to meet the man who wouldn't do that. I think that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Now, a lot of the guys on the team, they were city boys. They had Some of them had never even seen a pig in the person. The slippery pig. Um, <laughs> let alone, like, worked with one. And so Rube is like, oh, I'll show you how to catch one. And before the event is demonstrating on this 300-pound pig how to do it. And in one move, he lifts the beast, throws it over his shoulders, and snapped both of its back legs. Oh! oh! Jesus Christ! So, not going to have a real grease pig contest when the pig can't, is in horrible pain with snapped legs. <laughs> is, he, is he dressed like Uncle Sam when he's doing <laughs> yes, this? Yes, the best. He's both dressed like his legs like snapped? Yeah, both of his back legs snapped. So they See, ran into... The, <laughs> Yeah, the great part about this, this is before uh, somebody can come to you with that factoid. Like, pigs are so smart that they can play Atari video games. Yeah. <laughs> back then, back then, pigs Crunch. are dumb and greasy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the, the, yeah, that event kind of couldn't happen anymore. Uh, but there's still a good field day. Wow. My God. <laughs> the 1900 season ends in October, and despite missing a full two months playing in Puxatawney and Milwaukee... Rube led the National League in ERA, and he finished second in total strikeouts. The leader in total strikeouts was a guy by the name of Noodles Han. Noodles. <laughs> Wait, did he snap his legs? No, the he snapped. No, oh, he snapped the pig's, the pig's legs. legs. Oh, when he not the noodles pig over his legs. legs. Oh, he snapped his own legs. No. Oh, my bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, Noodles up. Han. Yeah, you're all. See, do you want some alcohol to mail that out? <laughs> And Chick-fil-A is fighting me right now. All right, cool. You need to take nothing. I got God, God's <laughs> yeah. inside me. Gotta Wait, so we got him. stuck with the uh, Thai Cobb Award when we could have also had the Noodles Han Award? Yeah, the Noodles Han Noodles. So Noodles uh, led the NL in strikeouts, but he only had two more strikeouts than Rube did, and he also pitched 103 more innings than Rube. <laughs> that just shows how the strikeout rate Rube was going for. Yeah, ratio-wise, he's destroyed. Yeah. Mm. So they have spring training. Rube is still on the team uh, in Pitts uh, for the next year. Um, Clark had put the team through a tough spring training. He thought that they could, you know, make a push for the pennant that year. So he's putting them through a bunch of diff difficult drills and calisthenics. They go on a three-mile run, and Rube got lost. <laughs> of course he did. So they get back, and they're like, we don't, we don't know where Rube is. We lost him on the run. Don't worry, though, because Rube had brought his gun with him, and he had bagged three ducks by the time he came home. <laughs> <laughs> Dinner. Good thing. Yeah. He continued his typical antics, but his pitching seemed to have abandoned this time him at this time. Um, and Fred Clark, once again, this is it. This is finally it. He's demanding to Dreyfus, get him the fuck out of here. Never bring him back. We cannot do this. I hate this guy. So Rube is sold to the Chicago Orphans. That is their actual <laughs> name. Awesome. They are now known as the Chicago Cubs. Like from the Warriors? 
The orphans. <laughs> the orphans. Now they're the Cubs. Come out to play. Wow. Uh, I think that they should change it back to the Chicago yeah. Orphans. Yeah, I like that name too. It's, Dude, they it's should like probably. Dangerous. I mean, if they're gonna make the game so non-offensive by making a pitch clock, do they, they the orphans? We, yeah, give them give them something. They track uh, walks back then. Like how many yeah. times he walked people? Uh, he had like a three to one strikeout to walk ratio. Oh wow. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so Rube was, uh, he was sold to the orphans and when he found out he demanded, he went to the Dreyfus, the owner of the Pittsburgh team and demanded a cut of the money that Dreyfus had made selling him. And Dreyfus responded, here's your cut. And he just handed him a single cigar. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah. I actually don't know what money is. (laughs) There I'll were a few it. teams that had been interested in Rube. Uh, he had picked Chicago over Boston. Uh, Boston had offered an additional $1,000 in salary, wow. but Rube didn't like the city of Boston. And also, the manager of the Chicago team, Tom Loftus, offered to buy Rube a Panama hat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a hard, hard thing to turn down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Panama hat's pretty cool. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> So Loftus had actually already managed Rube, so he kind of knew what he was getting into. He was the manager for the Columbus Grand Rapids team. Um, But the Orphans were not good. They were... uh, Even worse was the AL team, the Chicago White Stockings, uh, were bringing in more fans, and they were in first place while the Orphans were down in last. Dude, you shouldn't kick an orphan when he's down. I mean, come on, he doesn't have parents. You give him black socks. Yeah. By a twist of fate, it just so happened that Chicago's first game with Rube would be against none other than the Pittsburgh Pirates. Rube would not pitch the first game. Instead, he sat in the stands brandishing a Smith & Wesson revolver he had bought that day. <laughs> Did they win, though? They lost. Oh. But he was just sitting in the stands polishing a revolver the entire time. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. He pitched in game two, uh, and although the Orphans lost to the uh, Pirates 4-2, to two, Rube was sensational. Uh, three of the runs were unearned, and I think um, Rube struck out like 12 guys. Oh, wow. Um, and Clark was trying to distract him because he knew how easily distracted he was, but Rube was too focused in. There's this, a lot of the stuff that was saying that, like, if he was in a good joking mood, you knew, like, oh, we're kind of in trouble, like, he's having fun. But it was even worse if he was in an angry mood. That's when he would like actually focus on playing baseball, right? Yeah, <laughs> and when he focused all of his attention on baseball, he was unhittable. Well, he wanted to show off, yeah, or, or kind of like show who's boss, right? Or right. Rather, not show yeah. off. There's he apparently he would also pitch himself into jams sometimes. So if he's like in the first five innings, if he's you know allowed one hit or something, and he's kind of getting bored, he would intentionally walk three batters to load the bases oh, and then wow. try and pitch out of it. <laughs> oh, is that that's good. amazing? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's this year, but so like he couldn't do the his old trick of ordering all of his teammates off the field because you had to have nine players like on the field of play. Yeah, I mean that was minor league. That yeah, he was doing that. So what yeah. he did once in the majors, I th- it was either it was either in Chicago or Detroit. He told all of them to just stand behind second base, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Don't do anything, just stand there." And it he struck out the first two batters. The next two batters both hit base hits, and then he struck out the third guy. Sheesh. (laughs) Um, Rube is in Chicago, so this is his first time in a big city, and he's lighting it up. He is the talk of the town, especially its theaters and nightlife. At one point, he apparently wandered into a circus and attempted to tame a lion. 
Yeah, okay. Just... <laughs> all right. Oh, is that a is that a metaphor or something nope, for a hairy woman? That's all we got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the orphans were awful in 1901. Uh, Rube is back to his up and down play style. And in August, the team has a road trip to face the pirates again. Also waiting for Rube in Pittsburgh is the county sheriff, since Rube owed $21 around town. He got Tom Loftus to cover his tab. <laughs> Rube, you owe us money. Perfect. Uh, another tale around this time says that a group of bankers in Chicago had paid money, good money for some front row seats to one of the games. They were disheartened to learn on the morning of the game that they had missed a Rube start by a single day, so they wrote to owner Jim Hart, you know, kind of expressing their disappointment. Hart heard about this before the game and asked Rube if he could go again so that the, the bankers could see him pitch. He did. He easily won the game. He put on his show. He's cartwheeling. He's doing his thing. He then showed up at one of the bankers' offices a week later to ask for $50, claiming reciprocity. <laughs> Wait, what is reciprocity? Like, I did a favor for you. Give me 50 yeah. bucks. Oh, okay. I never heard Dude, that Dude, that's smart. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you did the favor, and you have got, some leverage. He got yeah. the 50 bucks. Yeah, you got to see me play, but you didn't see me run across the field naked, uh, so she should come back next week. Yeah. <laughs> In late August of 1901, Rube disappears from the team, but, you know, usually this is fine. He'll be gone for a couple of days. He'll come back um, after he's gone fishing for a while or once he's out of money and needs to come bum a few dollars off the manager. However, after 10 days, everyone kind of realized this is more than just the usual fishing trip. And they eventually found him signed to a small baseball club in Kenosha, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> See, the manager of Kenosha, the Kenosha team had found the perfect incentive for Rube. Two Panama hats. <laughs> <laughs> and one derby, yeah. for good measure. <laughs> no, it, you're not thinking like Rube. The manager said, you can pitch one day a week, and the other six days, you can go fishing as much as you want. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Good deal to me. And I'll throw in this beehive so you can collect honey. Have you guys, are we all on the same page that he would have done much better if he was just homeless? <laughs> oh, like yeah. the same tier, I feel I like. I think he yeah, is he's homeless. About, but he wouldn't be letting so many people down. Yeah, not as much work, too. He's just yeah. hanging out all day. Yeah. yeah. Fish. I'd imagine so, him when he's, he's I, I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming when he's fishing, he's doing the homeless thing of just like tying a string around his big toe. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, he's doing barehanded. Right? Yeah, right? oh, barehanded, right? Yeah. So, when asked by a reporter why he'd want to play for such a small uh, local club rather than a major league club in a big city, Rube's response was, "Quote: It is greater to be a big toad in a small puddle and fish." Hi, <laughs> uh, he was halfway there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's two thoughts. I think it's it's greater to be a big toad in a small puddle and fishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. Yeah, but he put it all together. I, uh, I'm no wordsmith. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, well, I, really I can't really. You can't get in the mind of Rube. I think he did fine. <laughs> the, the biography I'm reading, every now and then, like, he'll have a sentence like that where he kind of just shows what Rube is doing, and it'll just. The next sentence is just Rube logic with an exclamation point, and then he goes to the next paragraph. <laughs> what Rube would say. Yeah. Rube logic. I mean. Rube Mike, uh, what's your philosophy about salads and soups? Um, depends on where you get it from, and I don't know. I'm very I don't like too many soups. I like French onion soup and uh, <laughs> like Caesar salad. You know, so you like one soup and one salad? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. See, 
Well, I like chicken noodle soup too, but like French onion soup is the best in my opinion. I, you, all right, or well, clam chowder. Mike good. forgot that joke, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Mike, you, you remember coming down here a few months ago and you had put soup and salad in one bowl? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was probably, it was probably those two. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I, I think that was Travis making a Mike logic thing, and then you just went into a very Travis, sincere what fuck you like. You. Yeah. <laughs> Take Thanks, Mike. You're taking advantage of me, bro. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> CBD got me all it's fucked up. <laughs> never going to a gas station ever again. This is bullshit. <laughs> dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta equal out your CBD with Rhino sixty nine, dude. That's Remember, right. that's right. Well, I got some exclusive shit, bro. I can't even tell you what it is. <laughs> All right, I can't even read it, bro. I was like, you really can't tell you what it is. <laughs> oh, that's why you can't tell. <laughs> so uh, Rube is enjoying his time as a big toad, uh, but then he disappeared from the Kenosha team for most of September, and no one really knew where he was. And then he shows back up in Chicago after the season is over because he heard that the orphans were about to go on a West Coast barnstorming tour. Um teams back then you know like there's no team further west of st louis not until 1958 so the major league clubs in the northeast would go travel in the south and in the west and like play a bunch of exhibitions and make a bunch of money in the off season oh gotcha yeah um so he hears about this and he's like fuck yeah i want to do that one of the reasons he might have wanted to do that was his wife who had not been mentioned in the biography i was reading since their wedding day left him at this point for quote gross neglect of duty (laughs) Which tracks? I, I don't, believe it. You probably didn't see her after the wedding day. Exactly. Got married. So, well, I don't know, Fish. <laughs> yeah. Know She's fish. like, I'm out. <laughs> Our wedding cake He's was good, but it didn't right. have a crust <laughs> on it. Yeah. <laughs> we need a crusty wedding cake. Now that we consummated the wedding, I'm going to be fishing. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, surprise, I'm asexual. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care. I'm gonna fuck this fish. Yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna fuck this fish. <laughs> so the the orphans get to California. Uh, they're playing a bunch of exhibition games against the clubs there, and Rube is the biggest draw. Everyone wants to come see the Rube. He's pitching so well in the exhibitions, and he was so I guess fed up with Chicago that he decides to stay in Los Angeles, um, and signs a contract with the club there for two hundred and seventy five dollars a month. It was also found out that he had signed other contracts with the L.A.'s team's direct competitors in Oakland and San Francisco. Yes! Do it! So when it was found out that he had signed contracts with three of the four teams in the California League... He just rig all of them. ...to decide who, which of them... Instead of Rube picking one of them, he asked the three owners to throw dice to see who would get him. Oh, yeah! Craps game! But who wins cool. in that? They're, like, the other guys are like, we already paid. No, because it's like, you signed the contract, we haven't paid you. Who are you going to oh. pitch for? Oh, mm. you signed for all of us. Who are you going to pitch for? Wow. Gotcha. So, uh, the Los Angeles Lulus win the prize. They get Rube. They held a promotion early on in the season called Ladies' Day, where every single woman in attendance got a full-size picture of Rube to bring home. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually jealous i wish i was one of those ladies right could, could you imagine like you're working out there on a moving sand <laughs> and, like you come home and your wife's like got this the only photo you own is this you come <laughs> doofy guy yeah who's that fucking retard <laughs> that's rude is that why i'm digging up sand all day so you could go get pictures of retards 
<laughs> fuck is this? I'm covered in sand and dirt. She's like, he's bigger than you. Yeah. Yeah. He's four inches taller than you, and he could probably do more sand than you. Uh, I don't but, do but, sand. I move sand. It's different. There's a technique. Charlotte. The picture, the picture oh, of him is like mid-eating a sandwich, too. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, if, if you Google him and you just look at any of the headshots, <laughs> yeah. they're all winners. Yeah. They're such winners. <laughs> So in one, uh, Rube dominates in Los Angeles. He's just so good out there. And this is when L.A. is a town of like 15,000 people. It's really small. It's there's, like barely a city. There's The yeah. only reason L.A. is there, we've talked about this a it's couple oil, times right? before. No, it's it a sign, right? Tax evasion. Much later. It's, oh. it, and it, copyright it's, evasion. It's copyright evasion. Copyright Holly, evasion. Hollywood started right, because right, of copyright right. evasion. So everyone there was mean-spirited and hardened. Yeah, yeah. They were trying to steal someone's work and not get found out about it and use actors and not pay them. There we go. Uh, so yeah. it was just a terrible thing. So this is pre And the tradition country. has continued on into the 21st century. They still can't write stories. Right. Everyone yeah. talks shit about Clint Eastwood. He made stories. <laughs> I don't see any stories anywhere else. <laughs> so Rube's he's having a great time in L.A., um, the L.A. stadium, for whatever reason, used a mattress as, like, the backstop. Like, well, no, there's a mattress, there's a mattress, like, affixed to the backstop. So if, like, the ball hit the wood, it would hit the mattress instead, I guess. I don't know. There's a mattress tied to the backstop. And one day, while Rube is pitching, it caught on fire. Which, I don't know if you could come up with a better day for Rube than a fire at the ballpark. The thing just caught on fire? Probably cigarettes. You know, someone just threw the catcher oh, maybe yeah, <laughs> threw yeah. a cigarette and put at it. It was very dry there. Rube yeah. single-handedly put out the fire, prevented it from spreading any further. Oh, he's a him. hero. Oh, dude, he probably ripped off his clothing, exposed his red undies, <laughs> and was just like, I got this! Fire, oh, be gone! These. It's okay. <laughs> it's Don't worry. me! Where did you get that ladder? Yeah. You're coming from center field. Where's that water coming from? <laughs> this is L.A. Yeah. Don't worry, I brought my own. I got my own custom when my name's on the side of this ladder. He might have just been drunk enough that he could pee the fire out, though. Like, that's a very real possibility here. You guys yeah, you should see? be able to pee in public whenever you want. Well, that is a different conversation. <laughs> and I endorse it. I agree that's as well. a conversation that needs to be had more often. Sorry. So, back east, uh, the seasons are starting to get underway for the major leagues. Connie Mack is now managing the Philadelphia Athletics of the American League. And they are in a tight uh, battle for the pennant with the Chicago White Stockings. The Athletics team had great hitting, but they did not have good pitching. So Connie Mack was like, I want to get my old pal Rube back on the team. I got to get him back out in the majors. All right. But he knew how hard it was to get Rube out of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. And that was when Connie could take a train down and do it himself. How's he going to get to L.A. before Rube would just back out? Uh, he called Rube. Rube said he was game. He'd come back to Philly. Then he called Connie Mack the next day and is like, I can't do it. I can't leave this place. I, everyone loves me here. So Mack responds by hiring two Pinkerton agents to travel cross-country, grab Rube, throw him on a train, and send him to Philly. Good. Ah, uh, yes. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. He is like a loose dog. Yeah. He's like a dog that was <laughs> never trained. Yeah. It's like you just got to jingle keys in front of him and you can get yeah. him to follow you. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to... You got to put him in a net. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Why not? So uh, Rube's on his way back east, um, and he, the Pinkerton agents send a telegram ahead of themselves to Connie Mack saying, you need to meet us somewhere halfway because this is not going to work. <laughs> um, apparently, you, he, he signed yeah. with a ball club in Kansas 
because the train was just like delayed for a few hours and he's like oh there's a ball club here i'm gonna go pitch for them and then like the pinkerton agents couldn't get him back (laughs) they basically kidnapped him to get him back on the train then he started doing like an amateur boxing ring when they were near st louis and finally connie mac got to him in st louis and rode with him the rest of the way buying him whatever he wanted and he's back in philly and Rube is back in the major leagues. Wow. And that's where we're going to leave off today, right before wow. Rube Waddell starts a six-year run that is maybe the most dominant six-year run any pitcher has ever had in baseball history. Jesus. God I'll say damn. he marches to his own beat of his own drum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think of that, the conversations he had with these hardened Pinkertons uh, on this train, like, you guys ever try marbles before? Uh, you ever seen a goose jump ass. over a rope? <laughs> you ever fucked a goat's ass? Fucking pig. <laughs> they, he probably was asking questions, but he seems sincere. In, oh, he uh, seems like the best guy. Yeah, yeah. he seems like a well, every guy. every He's... like thing about him says like he, he could be destructive and distracting and annoying, but he was always just like a good-hearted dude. Yeah, that's what I'm getting off him. So yeah. like he was probably on the train with these Pinkertons, going like Chumming asking those questions, like actual. What do you guys? Well, you guys play marbles? <laughs> what do you guys do for work? They're like, well, this is our job. This you can steal people for work. <laughs> Wait, so you guys is cops, but you're pink? Yeah, yeah like just it's it, he feels sincere. Yeah. And I and Travis, you said it well before. He's a hero. He sounds like a hero. He looks like a yeah. hero. He smells like a hero. And all the all the firefighting stuff, like it's hilarious because he literally would run off the mound to chase fire trucks. But he also loved putting out fires and would like there are multiple occasions where he runs into a burning building and drags people out. Wow. Like, I think Damn. there are, Dude, like, at sick. least seven verified cases of him saving someone's life. Like, he's crazy. All that this script is done right now, since you mentioned Ty Cobb, like, I'm just angry at Ty Cobb. Because oh, yeah. I, want, I want the award to be the well, Rube no, Cy Young. Cy Young. Oh, the Cy Young, yeah. Not we will Ty talk Cobb. about Ty Cobb. He does play against <laughs> Ty Cobb, but awesome. yeah, wow. Cy Young is um the, his nemesis. Yeah, Mike did that script a long time ago. The old Ty Cobb. He's, and, uh, he's a sick baseball player. He crushed really it. good baseball player. Um, aggressive. Yeah, I like that about him. This it should be a little more WWE uh, yeah, or so ECW-ish. Yeah, I don't know. Shakes up a little bit. I was just gonna. Oh, I was just gonna read out uh, one more quote from his biography before we finish. God help us if another such person appears among us. But thank goodness we've had one to experience. That's, yeah, that was in the prologue of my book. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that adds up. Yeah, that totally tracks. All right, well, stick around for. Well, not stick around because we're done. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Soon. Make sure you keep reloading your phone. The following Thursday, yeah, to find yeah. out more about this guy, this this fucking porcelain god. <laughs> I really hope that in episode two we find out that the Reuben is actually named after Rube. Well, apparently mm. the the reason Rube is like the pejorative it is is Reuben was like a name that country folk had that city folks didn't. So it's kind of like saying Billy Bob to like refer to Southerners. It was like Reuben was referring to country people, and it just right. got shortened yeah. to Reuben. Yeah. Yeah, Reuben. So a Reuben sandwich is like a country sandwich. Yeah. Oh, I go for a Reuben right now. Jewish country. 
Jewish country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Connor, big old thanks. Hey, I'm just yeah. love. I'm loving learning about Rube. Hey, thanks, Connor. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Hey, Mike. It's good seeing you again. Yeah, I know you're yeah, really tired. You Mike. Put it, you're working like 14 hour days now. Yeah, I am basically a prostitute. Well, I hope you can take him. It's going. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, thank you, Tom, for it's chilling. Thanks, Tom, for coming, coming on down. I don't, I don't like being thanked on this show. Yeah, because I feel oh, like I'm um, doing it. All right, I'm taking it back. Taking it back. Thank you. That's better. Unthink. Travis, you have been doing a great job of opening the show and closing the show. So why don't you give me that closer? Oh, Ross Martin Cast. You've been listening to Ross Martin Cast. Guess what? You go to RossMartinCast.com and then. You could buy a hat or a shirt or something else on there. Maybe we should sell Reuben sandwiches. We should just things. sell Rube Waddell shirts. Yeah, like we just should. His face. Just trying to get his face, yeah. I'm going to make yeah. a Rube shirt. Fuck it. Make a jerk. Do it. Yeah. At the end of at the end of just uh, say the, gone fishing. Yeah. At the end of the uh, next episode, I'll have a Rube shirt up for you to buy. Oh man, I'm buying at five <laughs> Awesome. Um, and then uh, patreon.com slash roastmortemcast just throwing it out there um, if you like the show at all and you don't give us money please give us money I hope I you don't, don't sleep at night yeah. yeah we're still working what? on getting Mike money yeah what are you trying to like teach ducks how to do fucking hopscotch whatever what? you're supposed to do jump rope and ducks jump rope yeah, and that's the show alright bye everyone Shame. Thank you, Shane. Ladies.